Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Friday Night Counter-Attack. And this one is a very special podcast that we've got for you today. So um, I did say once we, whenever we get footballers on the podcast, or ex-footballers or um, footballers who have played in different teams previously, we'd make a big fanfare out of it. So in November, we had our first uh, women's footballer, Millie, come on, which was great, uh, the Blackburn Rovers um, midfielder. And now we've got someone who's played in a lot of various teams across the globe, across Scandinavia. He was a youth player at Manchester United. He played um, for Fulham as well. And he represented his country at the same time for Wales. So without further ado, it's a big, big privilege for me to introduce Josh Pritchard. Josh, how are we doing today? Is everything okay? Yeah, great. Hamza, thanks for having me on. No, anytime. Um, Literally, it's just one of those things that I'm like, you know what? Whenever there's an opportunity to interview a footballer from a football and a mental health podcast that we are, I thought we've just got to snap up the opportunity and see if we can do anything um, that would be worth your time. So hopefully you have a nice time on the podcast. Hopefully it'll be good to ask some of these questions for you and more for me to really understand a bit more about how the life of a footballer works, to be fair. And that's something that I found quite fascinating for a long period of time. So um, first things first, how's everything going at the moment? Is everything going okay um, um, for you at the moment, health-wise, mental health-wise? Everything going okay so far? Yeah, I mean, mental health-wise... You know, as a professional footballer coming out of the game, when that was 2016, 17, yep. it was a bit difficult, you know, not knowing what to do with your life because football's all you've known since you were five, six years old, which I'm sure we'll get on to the Man United Academy and all that stuff previously. Uh, but I mean, I'm in a good place at the minute, you know, happy life, happy wife, kids and all that family stuff. So... Yeah, everything's on the up at the moment and uh, I'm just looking forward to sharing my experience and see if it can help other people going forward. Brilliant. And if there's only one person out there that listens to this and they can take some good advice from you today, then we'd, we'd have done our jobs perfectly and yeah. you'd have done your job absolutely well. So. But thank you very much for giving up your time once again today. And let's get into it really, because first things first, the thing that intrigued me the most is no one's going to really care besides me and like two other people uh listening but you played for Tromso in 2013 yeah. you went on loan to Tromso and I've been on holiday to Tromso yeah. and I know for a fact in December it's literally like a scene out of Game of Thrones like it's start by 2 p.m uh you've got blizzards everywhere you can barely drive even with these winter prepared cars and you're in the Arctic Circle as well so for me, when I when um when I was looking through before and I saw Tromso, you went there. I think you went on loan um for a season there. Yeah, it must have been very cool for you to go. But I'm I'm guessing you played like during like the summer uh, months of the year. Would would that be correct, Josh? Yeah. So their season runs from like February to July, and then they have like a summer break, which is in essence the end of the season in England. Yeah. So they have their summer break and then they go up to November and then after November, just no football can be played. It's like six foot of snow, ice, snow, blizzards, you name it, I've played in it. And it's, you know, I've even got a picture on my phone still from reindeer walking down the road in front of you and it's like, what on earth am I doing here? But, oh, know, my days. Yeah. But, what, what, what month were you, was that happening when, when, you got, when you got that picture? Um, was it when you kind of arrived? No, it was do you know what? It wasn't even in like the winter months. It was like March, like coming out of winter into autumn. Yeah. And we were driving to one of the coaches like lake houses that's like 
a 40, 50 minute drive away. Yeah. There's a massive queue and I'm thinking, well, what's going on here? Why are we so far away? Like it's taking so long. He gets finally gets to the front of this queue and there's like a group of six reindeer just casually walking down <laughs> the road. And I'm like, oh, right. I get it now. <laughs> so literally like so, you're in Lapland. Yeah, it's a culture shock. Believe me, believe you me, it's a big culture shock. But you know, I think that was probably my best, best, best footballing year I think I ever had. No, that's 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 brilliant to hear as well because a lot of um English players, a lot of Welsh players, uh, not so many Scottish players, but um they tend not to leave the United Kingdom after um, playing in some of these academies and some of these teams and they just feel like they want to try it down on, at the the lower leagues. But for me, when I when I saw that, that you went to Tromso and you went to FC Honker, I believe, as well, um, later on as well. I'm just there thinking, like, this guy has got, has got um, the right mentality for me. The fact that he wants to go and play football, he wants to go and apply his trade elsewhere and, he, and is quite keen and is quite hungry as well. So it's, it's very brave of you to do that, especially at a time in around 2013, 14, I think it was, yeah. um, when not many um, foreign players, not, not very English players were going abroad to play, besides like the big ones like Gareth Bale, for example, um, and a couple of others at the time as well. But it's now becoming more of a common thing, fortunately, like the likes of Jude Bellingham, the likes of Tammy Abraham, Fikayo Tomori as well, Jadon Sancho previously. So the fact that you got to kind of experience that what did you kind of learn from your, your time in Tromso and your time in FC Honker in Scandinavia? How did that kind of develop you further? Yeah, I think there's only so much growth you can do in an academy setup or a reserve team, uh, under 23 team as it is now. Yeah. I think once you leave like that comfort zone of, oh, I'm in England, I know what's going to happen, I know where I'm at. Once you leave that, you become a man. Yeah. You very much like, self-aware of what's going on where you want to be you know, things change when you go abroad as well like the cultures you learn and it just develops you as a person as opposed to staying in that box of England where I've got to be in the Premier League I've got to be doing whatever if the standard of leagues around Europe is a lot higher than anyone else thinks especially I mean I'm not saying the Premier League standard because obviously Premier League's at a different level altogether Definitely. But like, so when I went over to the Tipper League, which is the top league in, in Norway, I thought originally going out, I thought, right, okay, no like dispositions, no, um, oh, I'm going to be better than all these. I was at Fulham at the time. Just get your head down, do what you're here to do, play football, learn as much as you can, then take that back and carry on. And we were quite fortunate when I was there that we were playing or going through like the Europa League qualification stage. So like, I got to travel to like Azerbaijan, Luxembourg, France, uh, Slovenia, Slovakia, uh, played Besiktas in the qualification games. Um, and we eventually got into the group stage where we played Tottenham, um, Angie, Match College when they had like loads of money. And they were throwing money at it. We were playing against them. Um, FC Sheriff in Moldova. Um, so it was just like I was never going to experience that uh, as an under-23 player. Yeah. And it all started off because I felt like I was ready to play men's football. And I was probably, what, 19? Yeah. And I'd been feeling that way for a while. And I'd gone into the manager and said, look, I need to play 
play me like FA Cup, League Cup, whatever, put me on loan somewhere, I don't care, just let me play. And then one of my uh, youth coaches at Man United, John Hill, he was over there as an assistant manager at Tromso, and I rang him and said, look, is there an opportunity, a possibility for me to come? He was like, yeah, not a problem, let me speak to the manager. And we were playing Chelsea in an under-23 game. Okay. And he came and watched that. And from that, within two days, I was over in Norway. Fantastic. Yeah. So, I mean, experience-wise, you're not going to get that at under-23 level, what I did. Um, And just from a personal point, it was the best year I think I ever had personally or football in terms. So, No, that's a brilliant story. And thanks for sharing that in such detail as well, because even the likes of um, Angie, uh, the, the, the Russian team, Angie, I fully forgot about them yeah. and how they used to have like likes of Samuel Eto'o and I think Zhirkov played there as well. Yuri Zhirkov and a couple of other players went um, for Angie at the time as well. So that must have been a thrilling experience for you, especially when you went to play against Tottenham as well, because that was probably around the time when um, Gareth Bale had left, right? So yeah, 2013, so, so that was when they were throwing money as well, like the Soldado signings, the Chirisha signings. That must yeah. have been a pretty good experience to have played them as well. Yes, so uh, when we played, the first group game was at uh, White Hart Lane, like one of their last games at the stadium. Yeah. And I knew a couple of the Tottenham boys, so uh, Zeki Friars, who was at United, growing up through the academy of me, he was there. Yeah, left um, back, centre back, uh, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, he's uh, he's at Stockport County now, doing quite well. So, yeah, it's good to. Uh, and then Musa Dembele, who was at Fulham, he was yep. at Tottenham. Not sure if Clint Dempsey was there. That was just the season that he left. But like, so I knew a couple of them. So I spoke to them before the game and just sort of like, what's going on? You know, all the normal niceties. And then when the game came. We lost 3-0, but that's purely because they had a starting lineup of like Hugo Lloris, Christian Eriksen, Moussa Dembele, uh, Michael uh, Michael Dawson, uh, Jermaine Defoe played up front. It was just, there was obviously a golfing class, but that experience was just, you, you can't beat that. So, yeah. you know, it was, I would never turn that down. And from what you've told me already, it, it feels like if you were to give one piece of advice to any young players, any academy players, any reserve players, it wouldn't be to sit at that top-class Premier League um, type academy or reserves, just kind of picking up a wage or just trying to wait until your opportunity in the first team. It's really pushing yourself and getting yourself out there outside of your comfort zone because you never know where you could end up. Would you say that's probably the kind of advice you'd, you'd like to give? Yeah, I mean, any um, any younger player that I speak to is in academy, like 17, 18, 19-year-olds. Yeah. Unless you're in the first team playing week in, week out at 18, 19, go and play football somewhere. It doesn't matter what level, what country. You know, you could be in Norway, you could be in America, France, does not matter. As long as you are playing first-team football, that is where you're going to learn your trade. That's where you're going to grow. And that's where you're going to develop physically, mentally, technically. And you're going to get the speed of the game a lot quicker than you would do an under-23 game, which now it's just kids playing kids. It's, I mean, back in the day when it was proper reserve team football, I remember we played uh, Fulham versus Brighton, under-23 yeah. game at Motspur Park. We had Bobby Zamora, Ida Johnson up front. 
Simon Davies, me, and I think it's Steve Sidwell playing centre midfield. Okay. And uh, Brighton had uh, f- they had a, quite a few of their first team players out, and that was like proper men's football. But that's because they were really good pros, and they didn't sack it off. They just wanted to, you know, get through the international break, and they were playing a proper game. You Keeping don't their fitness that. up, really. Yeah, for them it was for fitness. For like the younger ones in the team, like me, I think Dan Byrne was playing as well. Yep. He he's might be going to Newcastle from what Sky Sports are telling us, and then a few other boys like Karim Fry, who's in Holland now, Jack Grimmer, who's at Wickham, uh, Marcus Bettinelli, who's at Chelsea. You know, a really strong team. We were learning off playing with them instead of watching them. Yeah. And you can get a completely different feel for the game. And it so my I mean, my advice, go out, play as much first team football as you can. Don't wait for that opportunity. Go and get it. Fantastic. No, that's brilliant advice as well. And I've always said personally that you I learn better from experiences that you actually go through as opposed to listening to someone talking about their experience as well, because you want something to happen to you. If it happens to you, you know, you never want it to happen again. You never yeah. want it to happen again to you. So you want to rather do it better or you want to fix it or you want to improve it. And I think that's the best best way of learning from experience as well. If you could actually learn from, if you were playing in centre midfield, for example, next to Steve Sidwell, for example, you'd be looking at how he was playing. Or if you were up front with Bobby Zamora, you'd be looking at what kind of runs he's making, how he's getting between the defenders, as opposed to just kind of watching it from afar or on television as well. So that's yeah, exactly. Really good point, Josh. No, thank you for that. And um, yeah, just continue through your career as well. So you went to Gillingham in 2014, I believe, as well. And you got your first um, full proper season of English football, wasn't it, Josh? So how was it at Gillingham for you? Um, yes, was, so, that a, was that a loan or was that a transfer from Fulham? No. So what happened was I was at Fulham and then thinking, right, I'm close to getting my start. I'm close, I'm close. Then Martin Yall got sacked. Oh, brought no. in Rennie Mullenstein, who I thought my coach at United from when I was 10, 11, 12. Yeah. Right. This is a really good chance. Get me on, get me on, get me on. Made the bench a couple of times, but never put me on the pitch. So, mm. and then he got sacked and they brought in Felix McGaff and he sat every professional in the club down and just said, look, if you don't have a contract past this season, then we're not offering any new contracts out. Fine, fair enough. So uh, Peter Taylor, who was manager at Gillingham, he was like ex-England manager, Leicester manager, he rang me and said, look, we want you in. Uh, come and have a sit down with me. And then within two hours, it was done. And I was uh, across to Gillingham. But I had signed with uh, ankle ligament damage and a fractured foot. Oh, okay. So I had to wait like the whole pre-season doing rehab, uh, start of the season, maybe I wasn't quite ready yet, so they waited. And then my first actual game for uh, Gillingham was against Newcastle in the League Cup. Fantastic. Was that at St. James's Park? or No, it was at, um, at Gillingham. So okay. the physio told me I was only allowed to play 45 minutes. I think I ended up playing 70-odd. And then I was out injured again for another week. So, <laughs> was it worth it though? If you had to go back and do oh, it again, hundred percent, hundred percent. I mean, I mean, they beat us one nil, and 
I think we had a few chances to score, but we didn't score. Mm. Um, but it was a pretty close game. So, you know, for me making my league debut and against Newcastle in the League Cup, I couldn't really ask for anything more because I've been chomping at the bit to get on the pitch for four months. So, yep. yeah, I can't complain. No, that must have been brilliant for you as well. And obviously you spent the rest of the season, I'd imagine, at Gillingham as well. And how did you kind of find that when you were playing in English football for the first time properly for a full season? Yeah, I think it it took a while, not a while, maybe a couple of months just to get used to you know, the pitches not being like glass, like just flat pitches, um, sometimes muddy, sometimes not. And you've got to adapt to that. Like you can't play pretty ticky-tacky football all the time. Mm. You've got to be able to do the other side of the game where it's percentages and do all that stuff. And you've got seasoned pros next year of 31, 32, um, who are constantly giving you it if you're not giving 100% or you're not doing things right. And there's no kind of like that schoolboy football where you can make a mistake and it's like, okay, maybe next time try this. It's like, come on, mate. You need to sort yourself out after one mistake. So mm. yeah, it was a real eye-opener. But then once we got into the season, you know, I found my feet quite quickly. And then we pushed on to the end of the season. I think we finished maybe eight for uh, ninth for tenth, maybe. Yeah. Well, yeah, it was a good season for Gillingham. We would only come up the season before I'd uh, joined. So yeah, it was a good season. And then the second season, uh, Justin Edinburgh came in as manager and um, for whatever reason, didn't work out. So I left and moved on, went back to Norway again and uh, did a little bit over there. And then I think I just started to lose my love for the game a little bit, uh, you know, because you've experienced... Uh, Europa League and the glitz and the glamour of that and then you go in back to Norway again and it's it's a great experience but it's not something that I wanted to do okay so yeah was it more like you were not to put words in your mouth but were you kind of like homesick or you just kind of missed that um, original feeling of playing for Tromso in the Europa League or was it a, a, a culmination of things that kind of um, I think it was it was more of a, I've done my time away. Like I've, you know, I've gone through the leagues. I've earned all my experience. I've done everything. I played international football. I'd gone, you know, abroad. I played in the top league in another country. I'd come back, had the, you know, the disappointment of not being, having my contract renewed at Fulham, which I think I, I earned yeah. that contract. Um and then from that, going to Gillingham, it was happy, happy, happy. And then uh, manager Pete Taylor got sacked. And then uh, Justin Edinburgh came in and wanted to play his football, which is completely fine. I've got hold nothing against him. Really nice man. Um, and it just kind of led on from there. And there was, because I, at the time of the season, it was like near the end of the season, but it wasn't. It was like midway between halfway and midway. Yeah. So three quarters away through the season. So clubs have already spent their budget and it was just like, oh, great. Like, what do I do from here? But in the back of my head, I'm thinking, right, Norway season's about to start. 
I don't need pre-season because I've done it all. I've had three quarters of a season, so I can just jump straight in. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think I was unlucky. But also, at the same time, I don't think I would have changed what I did. No, 100%. Because you finished in 2017, I think it was at Astrica Football yeah, Club as well. Sweden. Yeah, so that was a nice little uh, finish for you in Sweden as well. So what, was there a main difference from the Swedish league compared to the Norwegian league? Um, for yourself, Josh? Um, not really. I think it's a similar standard, uh, similar type of player, similar like ethos on how people want to play. Yeah. Um, Was it warmer I, at least than in Norway? No, not. <laughs> I don't think so. I, I don't think cold. so. Well, you say that though, but in the middle of the summer, it's it's all right. Like, it's not too bad. It's a mm. bit hotter than Manchester, a bit colder than London. Less rain than Manchester and less rain yeah, than London 100%. Well. Yeah, Definitely. <laughs> but, you know, even that, that culture shock of it being sunlight from two in the morning till two in the morning, it's like, oh, my God, how do I sleep during this? I remember uh, coming back from training. I know, come back from a game, and we got back home about six o'clock at night. I thought, right, I'm just going to put a film on, doze off. Six o'clock, right, great put my phone down, picked it up again. It was three o'clock in the morning. I'm like, oh my God. What uh, film was it? What film were you watching? Oh, I couldn't even tell you. It <laughs> been, it's just some, whatever was on Netflix at the time. Ah, uh, okay. That makes I sense. Thought, I, I thought I if you're like know. watching like the Lord of the Rings trilogy, then that would have been adequate because of the time <laughs> yeah. that you have on it as well. <laughs> um, I can't remember what it was. It was a trilogy. I just can't remember which one. No, that's fair enough. But it's just like, you're just there like, Maybe you need to get like a, one of those blind things that when people sleep, they wear it above their eyes. So they have that impression that, that it's dark. I can't do that. I can't have anything next to my face. Yeah, but it's odd when you're eventually, well. eventually, we just, um, me and my uh, roommate over there, we just started putting bin bags up on the windows just so mm. the sunlight couldn't come through. Would it go through the blinds and everything as well, like the curtains as well? Yeah, everything. That's it was insane, just, that it is. was as light as it is now, you see on... Like on the camera or wherever you are, mm. you know, it was as light as that at two o'clock in the morning. I'm just thinking, oh my God, I've got to get up it's, in six hours to go training. It's just not going away, is it? Just, just, just staying there forever. This time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, at least you had, you had some good times in Sweden as well, which, which is good to hear as well. And um, yeah. first of all, thank you very much for going through your club career with us as well. Um, we're now just going to go on to some of your, your other highlights in, in your career as well. First of all, before we finish off with the big finale, I wanted to ask you how it felt to represent your country, Wales, at the under-21 level, because that is like every boy or girl's dream in football, in cricket, in rugby, in any sport, to represent your country at any level, at any age group. So first of all, what, what were your, your first impressions of walking through into the change room for that first time after you got your call-up? How did that feel um, to you, Josh? Nervous excited, tense, mm. but relaxed at the same time. Um, Did you know a lot of the fellas beforehand as well? Because you mentioned you knew players at Man United and Fulham for your club. Yeah, there was, a, there was a couple like Danny Ward, who's at Leicester now. He was at United for a while. Yeah. Uh, Tom Lawrence, who's at Derby, he was there. Having uh, a really good season as well, Tom. Is. Yeah, he is, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think who else was in that squad. Would you have someone like Simon Church in there as well, maybe? No, he was a bit older. Okay. Um, no, but then it was only those two I can remember. 
And then we had like we had a really strong team. And I just the first time I remember going in was like, all right, where do I fit in in this group? And um, we kind of the first trip we went over to the Tech Republic. Yeah, I didn't play, but it was just an experience to be there and be with the team. And then the next few times we went away, it was like England away, San Marino at home, like complete contrasting games. Definitely. Um, Did you get to play in those games as well, England and San Marino? Yeah, I played twice against England, San Marino. Uh, I was in the squad for Czech Republic, Moldova. Mm. Uh, I think there was a couple more, I can't remember. But um, how was it playing against England as well at, away? Because that must have been a fun experience, given yeah. the rivalry as well. Yeah, we played at Pride Park. Um, I remember before the game, Jesse uh, came over to me. Uh, Jesse, Jesse Lingard. Yeah, yeah. I've known him since I was like seven. Yeah. Um, came over to me like, so I hadn't spoken since I'd left uh, United. It must have been five years. He's like, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? Like, <laughs> Yeah, just just football rubbish talk. And then um, I remember during the game, he need me in my in my spine. Goodness sake, Jesse, man! Why is he? Why is he? He's never been a dirty player like that for Man United. Oh, the There's team. a picture of it somewhere. I've got it somewhere. But <laughs> I should get him to sign it for you as well. Just sign it for me. I'm all right. Thanks. <laughs> I don't need sell, that. Sell, sell, sell it when he wins the Ballon d'Or when he's at West Ham next season as well. You mean I don't want him to go to Newcastle. West Ham was where he was thriving. Newcastle. Yeah, Newcastle just want everyone. But no, sorry, you were saying he needs you in, in the spine. Yeah, did you, get, yeah. did you get him back? No, I think I actually came off after about 50 minutes because I had like shooting pains up my back. Because of Jesse Lingard? Yeah, because of Jesse. Jesse Cheers. injured you, Josh. Nah, yeah, mate. So much <laughs> for friends from back in the day at Manchester yeah. United. Oh, my days. Well, yeah. So I remember going in at half time and just saying like look I can't move my back so sore mm. yeah go go back out go back out do a bit more it's like right fine whatever thinking it would just go away with movement and then I think I went up for a header and just landed funny and you, know, you just there's that pain and you're like oh my god I can't move mm. gaffer get me off get me off I need to go who was so the gaffer at the time was it Stuart um, no, their gaffer. Uh, their, their gaffer was South Gaffer. Yeah, sorry, that was my fault. Yeah, who, ours who, was uh, Grant Williams. Ah, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. That was that kind of era as well. Because a lot of players from that team in, I think it was 2013 or 14, that game was, um, they went on to the Euro 2016 squad, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, Great. quite a few of them did, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Main, mainly, Josh, did you win that game against England where Jesse needs you? In no, the we lost 1-0. Damn it. He didn't score, <laughs> did he? Uh, no, Nathan Redmond scored. Ah, okay. Now that, that yeah. makes sense as well. But um, looking back on your Wells career as well for the under 21s, how did you how did you find that in terms of like from a family sense of point of view? Like, were you very proud to put on the Welsh shirt? And like did you have like family members who were like welling up with tears when they saw you on the pitch or anything? How was that for you and how was that for your family? Um, I think it was a proud moment. Yeah, for me, my mum, my dad, and like all my family members. I think the only thing that I, uh, not sad, but the only thing that's not great about it is that my uh, grandpa, who was Welsh, like who born in Wales, had seven or eight brothers and sisters, mm. you know, typical Welsh family, that he had passed away a couple of years beforehand, so he never got to see it. Oh, no. 
yeah so it wasn't emotional but it was just kind of like oh, i wish he was there to see it you know it'd have been looking down on you watching it as well it'd have been like that's my grandson coming onto the pitch yeah <laughs> yeah is uh, that why you chose to represent wales or are you just like from wales as well naturally because again you don't sound, I was, I you was don't born in Stockport. That's what I was going to say. you got a Manchester accent on you. Yeah, yeah. Accent. <laughs> so my dad's Welsh and his dad was Welsh. Definitely. Nah, that, that makes sense. They moved well. over. So it was the only logical reason. And plus, you know, we had players like James Ward, Prowse, all them lot that are coming through now and doing well in the Premier League. They were all in the England squad. Mm. Ross Barkley, Mason Mount, Jesse, Nathan Redmond, all that lot. So there was no chance of me getting in there as well as I was playing at the time, it was just my um, under-18 manager, Kit Simmons, he was the assistant manager to Chris Coleman at Wales. Okay. So as soon as he knew that I was I had Welsh in me, he was like, Josh, go play for Wales. Was, All right, yeah, fine. Great. Send me over there. <laughs> the, the taste of international football plus the taste of playing um, foreign football as well in different parts of Europe must have been an amazing experience but um just to finish off the podcast i just wanted to ask you more about your uh your upbringing in, in football as well um, playing in the academy at one of the greatest football clubs in the world in manchester united as well and it must have been such a surreal experience for you josh to be playing uh i don't know where you'd be training at the cliff or at carrington or um but literally going through that motion because you were there for a good uh seven eight years weren't you probably longer than that i'd imagine 11 yeah, ten years. years i was there 10 years 10 years that must have been fantastic for you as well so yeah everyone just to finish off the podcast I just need to know this is just for me more than the listeners but how was it being an academy player being a youth player at Manchester United Football Club um I don't know I have contrasting uh, emotions about it yeah purely because I joined when I was six and they didn't like the earliest age group they had then was the like under eight under nine teams so I was playing two or three years up when I was yeah. six and I didn't really understand like the enormity of it until I got to 13, 14. So like when you go in, we started off at Littleton road, moved to the cliff and then we moved to Carrington. So I've been to all three of them. Yeah. Um, it was just kind of normal. You go in, play with your mates, train, play games, train two or three times a week. You know, have a bit of a laugh with your mates and then go home. Like, there was never any like, oh, I'm a Man United player. It was none of that. But like, I never really told anyone at school anyway. Like, just kind of got on with it. Imagine the best kept secret is, oh, I play for Man United, but I'm not going to tell anyone because it's just it's just part of my day. How oh, cool must have you have been at, at school, at, like playing in the playground? Wow, you should play for a club, Josh. Oh, I, oh, I do. I do play. Yeah. <laughs> we'll keep that quiet for now. Well, I mean, it kept quiet until you got to high school. Then once like kids start to understand stuff it was everywhere and it's just like leave me alone (laughs) well yeah i mean at that time in that period where ferguson was like at his peak 99 2000 when i joined yeah the coaching was unbelievable the pathway was great because you could see like players coming through the academy the facilities were world-class at the time everything was just unbelievable yeah and there was always an opportunity to progress onwards. Um, I'm not so sure about it now, you know, having spe- spoken to a few people 
who are at the club or involved with the club, it's all a bit of a... I mean, you can see on the pitch now it's dysfunctional. Yeah. But, you know, hopefully that'll turn around again in a few years. But, hopefully. You know, at, when you're coming up through the academy, do you go to, like, the Mediterranean Cup in Barcelona and you play against Barcelona, Valencia, Real Madrid? Uh, you go to Tenerife and you play six-a-side tournaments and again against Real Madrid, Tenerife, Cadiz, like all these massive teams in Spain. And it evolves you as a player, so you're not just playing the same team like Crew, Everton, whoever else is up north that we're playing against. Definitely. And you start to develop like that. You're playing against oh. a different uh, footballing yes. ide- idealist as well, like uh, the Spanish yeah. type of uh, tactics, the... Italian, if you went there, the German type of one, the French type yeah. of one as well. And you're learning different ways of playing the game as well, which opens your mind as a young player as well. Oh, maybe you don't have to play football this way. You can try and play it another way and you can try and play it as a team this way. And you can just take that information back as well. I'm guessing that's probably one of the ideas of why the coaches did that or the club did that, to be fair. Yeah, the, the main idea was just to, I think from a player point of view, was to gauge what they're doing against the other big academies and uh, see where they're at really because we because that how their age group works it goes from January to December but ours goes August to August yeah so they always had older bigger stronger players but we were always we were never beaten by any of the teams we always got to quarterfinals semi-final finals um, and that's with playing with younger players as well so clearly I don't know if it was a fluke that we were just a really good age group or, you know, development-wise, the tr- the coaching was just that much better. Who was in your age group, Josh, um, that we would know? Uh, so I can go through the team if you want. Uh, you've got Sam Johnson in goal. Oh, my God. Uh, Michael Keane, Zeki Friars, uh, Larnell Cole, Jesse Lingard, Ravel Morrison, Ryan Tunnicliffe, uh, Will Keane. Uh, who else was there? Johnny Gorman, uh, Jack Dean, Nicky Jackson, yeah, Tom Thorpe, who's I don't know where he is now, but he was at uh, Bolton. He was uh, a captain, wasn't he? The yeah, youth he was team. a youth, youth team captain. So I'd left when they went to the scholarship age, I mm. went down to Fulham. Uh, John Kofi was there as well. Um, so yeah, it's like it's not a bad team to be in. So you had a fantastic team. Ravel Morrison, who was highly praised coming through as a youngster, Sam Johnston, who's made caps for England as well, Michael Keane as well, respectively in the Premier League yeah. and for England as well. Great talent all around as well. But um, this kind of leads up into the next sec- um, section as well. It, you kind of already given me an answer to it, but Josh, if you had to name five players to make up your six aside of players that you played with. Who would be in it and why? So the best the best five players you played with in academy level, professional level, uh, international level. Right. So Wales, Tromso, yeah. United, all of them. Let's hear it. So we start off with a formation. I'm going to go one, two, one, two. Yeah. But remember, you're in it. You're the sixth person. So you have to fit yourself in there. Yeah, just put me in, in the middle somewhere. Yeah, that's cool. That's and okay. we'll go, we'll go out somewhere else. So in goal, probably Sam. Yeah. Just he's just an unbelievable shot stopper. I mean, he's good with his feet as well. 
Uh, at the back, we'll go Aaron Hughes. Northern um, Irish centre-back from Fulham. Yeah, absolute Rolls-Royce of a man. Europa League semi-finalist as well. Finalist. No, finalist, sorry, finalist. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. was there at the game in the stand. Insane. What, yeah. 2010, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, who else? Up front, we've got to go Berber. Yep. Unbelievable. And you got to see him at Fulham, didn't you? Not Man United. Yeah, was it yeah. both? A deadline day, saw him uh, land his... Uh, uh, Mohamed Al Fayed's uh, helicopter on the training pitch As whilst did. we were training. That was a good day. <laughs> what an entrance of Dimitar Berbatov. Yeah. <laughs> uh, put him up top. Um, we'll go Bradley Dack. He was at Gillingham with me. He's now at Blackburn. Mm-hmm. Absolute. Unbe- he should be playing in the Prem somewhere. Um, like a full um, engine, isn't he, that guy? Yeah, he's just. Like creativity wise, it doesn't compare to anyone else. But when you're thinking about it as well, and you're watching him, it's like he's it's like he's always thinking in his mind. He does that thing that a lot of really good midfield players do when they just scan the pitch continuously, and you're yeah. just there. Like some of these passes are like Premier League quality, uh, Europa League type quality passes, and some of these midfielders in the Premier League don't even do the kind of basic things that he does, which makes it look so easy as well. Yeah, I mean, he's a difficult one because he's. He's in that number 10 position that's you know so highly coveted at the moment. Mm. And he's he's had a bit of trouble with his knee. He's, uh, I'm not sure if it was medial M or ACL, but he's been out for a while. But towards his when he got his move to Blackburn at Gillingham, he was unplayable for so long. He was scoring every week, assisting every week, you know, doing crazy things in games and training just you think right you you're too good for this like you need to get yourself to a prem team mm. but you know good move um maybe i'll slot me back in at center back put yep. Daki at center mid then we'll put rav up top just purely talent wise he could have been messy level like that good rather morrison that's that's someone that is the one that got away from Man United and for Man United fans as well, because I remember him coming on against Crystal Palace in the League Cup as well. And he was the kind of catalyst to try and, try and bring us back into the game. You had like Jason Park has like left back or right back Valencia in the team as well. Paul Pogba made an appearance. I think Tunnicliffe started as well, Ryan Tunnicliffe. Yeah. And you're just, and Lionel Kell came off the bench with Ravel Morrison and Paul Pogba on the team as well. So you're looking at this youth team from 2011 playing in the League Cup. Unfortunately, we lost that game, but you're, you're looking at it thinking the talent's in the boy. He's such a talented player. The little feints that he does, the little um, passes through, the deft touches he makes. You must have seen that from early and you must have appreciated that a lot. Probably not when he's against you in training, but you must have appreciated that a lot um, when you were playing with him. Yeah, I mean, training with him from a young age, you just... You can't really compare him to anyone. Yeah, if he would have fulfilled his potential, kept his head on, stayed at United, he would have been, I'm talking top five players in the world, like that good. But you know, things happened, and it never kind of materialized. But any five aside team I was in, I'd want him in my team. Yeah, hundred percent. And he looks like someone who would like just ball out on a five aside pitch as well. Like he just hundred percent. Like, it like embarrass you on the pitch as well. And they just yeah. go back and do it for more as well. It's just yeah. that talented player. I'd rather have him in my team than against me. Definitely. No, that makes that makes it a, 
uh, a good end to this podcast, I would say, Josh. But no, uh, we've got Sam Johnson in goal, Aaron Hughes and Josh Pritchard at the back, captain. <laughs> and then we've got Rava Morrison. And then we've got, um, how do you pronounce his name again? Bradley Dack. Bradley Dack. I always pronounce it as Duck. My bad, but Bradley <laughs> Dack. I never saw him in like when, you, when you're seeing it with like commentators. So I've always just like read it how, how I saw it, but Bradley Dack in the middle of the pitch as well. Um, but no, just before we round up this podcast, we've just gone what through... Berber? No, nah, Berber's on my team. I'm taking Berber from you. <laughs> nah, I'm joking. Dimitar Berbatov, this is the guy, like, if you had Berbatov and Ravel Morrison in the same team, like, that's like football heritage right there. Just two yeah. players who could literally just play with, like, silk on their feet. They had silk on their feet when you're watching them play as well, which is great to play as well, but... If I if I had to steal someone from that team, it'd be Dimitar Burp. So purely because I saw more of him than um, the likes of Sam Johnston, Ravel Morrison, and Aaron Hughes as well. Um, but no, yeah, just before we wrap up the podcast, Josh, um, I first personally wanted to say thank you very much for sharing your time, your opportunity to help younger players listening to this podcast about the opportunities of playing abroad, the benefits of playing abroad as well, the opportunity of making sure that you're not just sitting, wasting your footballing career in the reserves or at the academy and actually promoting yourself and actually bigging yourself up a bit more as well because I've enjoyed listening to that as well. I've also enjoyed listening to the fact that you had such a great time as a footballer, even if it was for a shorter period of time than a lot of people would imagine going into their 30s, but you were very honest with me and I appreciate that very much, Joshua. Thank you very much for your time and for your honesty. Thanks for having me on, Hamza. Anytime. No worries. There'll there'll definitely be a part to you somewhere down the line as well, but... um, (laughs) Uh, everyone, thank you very much for listening. Follow Josh on LinkedIn. Um, if you ever want to follow us on Friday Night Counter-Attack, if you haven't already, we're on all streaming services. We're on Instagram, uh, social media pages on TikTok. Again, at Friday Night Counter-Attack. Uh, Josh, it's been great to speak to you. Everyone, thanks for listening. Take care and goodbye. <laughs>